Hey everyone, so as suggested by the title, this one's not really going to have much to do with religion or atheism, so a bit of an off-topic episode, and yet at the same time, it's not something that's completely coming out of left field either. Regular listeners will know that I've wrestled with things like chronic headaches, depression, and anxiety throughout my life. And I'm no stranger to taking serotonergic drugs for those comorbid conditions. And so the reason why the episode is entitled Serotonin Syndrome is that both myself and my doctor seem to agree that I've been wrestling with some degree of that condition over the past week. And it's proven to be one of the most harrowing experiences of my life. And so maybe I'll start with my own layman's definition of serotonin syndrome, and then if necessary for comparison, I'll follow up with a more strict medical definition. But it's basically when your body has an excess of the brain chemical or neurotransmitter serotonin in its nervous system. And this is something that has stuck with me since I took a college-level psych course uh, many, many years ago. The irony that there's Brain chemicals or hormones that we think of as being positive, you know, um, very conducive to well-being, like serotonin and dopamine. But the catch is only in the right amounts. Dopamine is part of your body's reward system, but too little, and it's implicated in neuromuscular disorders like Parkinson's, etc. Too much, and it's implicated in psychotic disorders like schizophrenia which is why certain antipsychotics are sometimes referred to as dopamine scrubbers. They help to bring down the level of dopamine in the brain. And in the case of serotonin, which, you know, people tend to think of as the kind of quote-unquote happy molecule, uh, I've even seen people with tattoos of a serotonin molecule uh, because to them they think it's this wonderful thing that they owe their sense of well-being to. And as someone who's been on antidepressants for decades, that's often how, you know, I viewed it as well. And on a side note, and I may actually do a separate episode on this in the future, it's something I've been rolling around in my head for a while, um, you know, trying to wrap my head around it. Apparently, there's this debate or point of contention among experts now as to whether serotonergic antidepressants really do help elevate mood via elevating serotonin, or if the fact that they're serotonergic is just a coincidence, it's actually another mechanism that's improving mood. And so this um, competing theory suggests that it's not serotonin, but a process called neurogenesis that's elevating mood. And we do know that neurogenesis does, you know, is promoted by, um, by certain antidepressant drugs, including fluoxetine. And neurogenesis is just a fancy term for making new brain connections, I believe. And so people who embrace the neurogenesis model point to the fact that when you take a drug like Prozac, it doesn't help your mood immediately, it takes time. And they suggest this is because the drug, you know, is working via neurogenesis, not serotonin, and it takes time for neurogenesis to occur. I'm somewhat skeptical. I do think neurogenesis is occurring, but I'm skeptical it's the key mechanism for how these drugs improve mood. And I'm not a scientist. This is just my layman's opinion as someone who's personally been on these, you know, kinds of uh, medications for decades. 
Doctors will always warn you, you know, be patient. It could take weeks or even months for the drug to really kick in. But for me, I can usually feel some kind of change almost immediately. It could just be, you know, my body trying to adjust to a new substance. But I usually do feel a difference right away. And I can usually start to judge, you know, whether or not the drug in question is going to be truly beneficial within the first week or two. I know with Prozac, whenever I first get on it or try to get off of it, there's usually like a strange two-week period where there's this kind of brain fog feeling that eventually lifts. And in fact, I've always touted Prozac as, um, you know, once that brain fog does lift, is being one of the most natural-feeling psychotropic meds I've ever been on. You feel, or at least for me, I felt really clear and clean-headed on it. And once again, not a doctor, don't even play one on TV, but my understanding of why antidepressants don't dramatically work the first time you pop them, like a street drug, like ecstasy, is because the medicine or the effect has to build up in your system gradually, so to reiterate, it could be that the serotonergic effect has to build up gradually. But in fairness, hey, um, neurogenesis could be helping the depression and playing a part as well. I'm not trying to rule that out um, completely. And for the third time now, I guess uh, drink up if you're not driving. I'm not a doctor. So for all I know, maybe the neurogenesis model is correct. I'm just skeptical. And I think another reason why some embrace the neurogenesis model is due to the fact that supposedly tests have been done where serotonin levels have been lowered in patients and it doesn't seem to make them any more depressed. But I'm thinking, you know, at the same time, does that necessarily mean that increasing serotonin levels doesn't help? In fairness, maybe they've done tests along those lines too. And once again, if you look at street or recreational drugs like MDMA, which floods the brain with serotonin, um, you know, that sure as hell makes you feel pretty damn good, doesn't it? You know, and I'm speaking as someone who did way more than my fair share of ecstasy, a.k.a. MDMA back in the day. And I can actually remember going to clubs after I started antidepressants and being frustrated because the ecstasy uh, didn't seem to work as well anymore. And as I understand it, uh, the way in which antidepressants raise serotonin is different than the way in which ecstasy raises serotonin. So the two kind of work against each other. And it's actually pretty normal for people on antidepressants to no longer get the desired high or maximum effect out of MDMA. But as I was recently reading, um, supposedly serotonin syndrome, uh, you can get it by mixing antidepressants with MDMA. So I may have gotten lucky back in the day. And uh, as I understand it, um, one of the, and this is what may have happened to me, if you mix two different types of antidepressants that work via different mechanisms, um, that can be a recipe for serotonin syndrome. And in my case, it was mixing a, tricycli a tricyclic antidepressant and an SSRI. But uh, I'm being long-winded as usual. So serotonin syndrome is basically when you have excess, uh, an excess of the brain chemical serotonin in your nervous system. 
And although we usually associate serotonin with feeling good, the effects of serotonin syndrome can be downright nightmarish. The psycho-emotional symptoms include extreme irritability, agitation and anxiety, mental confusion, insomnia. The physical symptoms, especially in more serious cases, can include muscle rigidity, involuntary movements or reflexes, rapid heart rate, and high blood pressure. And it looks like the Mayo Clinic's list of symptoms are pretty much the same as mine, but I'll read their basic definition just for the sake of providing some kind of citation. Serotonin syndrome is a serious drug interaction. It is a reaction. It is caused by medications that build up high levels of serotonin in the body. Serotonin is a chemical that the body produces naturally. It's needed for the nerve cells and brain to function. But too much serotonin causes signs and symptoms that can range from mild shivering and diarrhea to severe muscle rigidity, fever, and seizures. Severe serotonin syndrome can cause death if not treated. Serotonin syndrome can occur when you increase the dose of certain medications or start taking a new drug. It's most often caused by combining medications that contain serotonin, such as a migraine medication and an antidepressant. Some illicit drugs and dietary supplements are, are, are the, I can talk, are associated with serotonin syndrome. I need to inject a little levity here. Milder forms of serotonin syndrome may go away within a day or two of stopping the medications that cause symptoms and sometimes are, and sometimes after taking drugs that block serotonin. And on a side note, when I could tell something bad was going on, I actually looked into a medication, I believe it's pronounced ciproheptadine, and I think the old generic name is periactin, but um, it's a prescription-only antidepressant, uh, not antidepressant, antihistamine that supposedly blocks serotonin. And um, the way I first found out about it is you guys know how neurotic I can be. Um, and when I get on, you know, when I get settled on a antidepressant, I can start worrying about sexual side effects and I start, you know, looking into remedies. Well, a long time ago, I had read about how, um, ciproheptadine can actually be taken at, in an as needed or on an as needed basis. And supposedly because it blocks the production of serotonin, Let's say you're on an SSRI and uh, you and your lady want to get down or you and your guy or however you swing, you know, um, supposedly you can take this antihistamine and it will temporarily reverse the serotonergic effects of your antidepressant in theory and allow you to really get it on, you know, temporarily really reversing the sexual side effects. So I had heard about it because of that. But supposedly, it's also sometimes used in cases of um, of uh, serotonin syndrome to help bring down serotonin levels. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I already caught a mistake, so I don't have to offer a correction next time around. I accidentally said that periactin was the generic name of um, uh, ciproheptadine. Periactin was actually the brand name that it used to go by. Okay. Okay. So on to what happened with me. 
So I know to the chagrin of some of my listeners, I tend to talk a lot about my medications and uh, medical problems, etc. But you'll probably know, you know, for almost two years now, since around the time the whole COVID thing started, I've been taking um, tricyclic antidepressants. As I like to say, you know, primarily for chronic migraines, but also depression. And I do also have some degree of anxiety in my personal history. To be honest, switching to tricyclics was pretty much a cakewalk. I moved from fluoxetine to amitriptyline, and it couldn't have been easier. The only problem for me was when the tricyclic side effects began to emerge, the excessive dry mouth, memory issues, slurred speaking, which as, you know, a podcaster, you can probably imagine, you know, how bothersome that might be. I started taking nortriptyline a little over a month ago. It's closely related to amitriptyline. It's actually its metabolite, and it's said to have less side effects, or at least the same side effects, just much milder. And I actually agree with that assessment. The dry mouth and speaking trouble were, you know, a lot less severe, but some of the brain fog and mental blanks were still there. So I thought, hey, you know, let's finally do it. Let's go back to fluoxetine, which is generic Prozac. So I contacted my doctor and she gave me the okay. Um, She left it up to me whether I want to take a week or two weeks to wean off of the nortriptyline. But the first night I add on 20 milligrams of Prozac as discussed with her. And the next day, I felt great, probably due to the addition of the Prozac. Uh, Things seemed, uh, you know, even a little brighter, almost euphoric. Um, That night and the following night, uh, I brought down the nortriptyline dosage a bit. By about the third night, all of a sudden, like a bolt out of the blue, I'm hit with some of the worst, most acute anxiety I've ever felt in my life. Maybe on par with, probably worse than, Um, you know, bad trip anxiety, Uh, whole body trembling, really agitated, overly pessimistic, unshakable, doom and gloom thinking. The only silver lining was, for some reason, tricyclic antidepressants are often prescribed off-label as a sleep aid. Uh, Amitriptyline and nortriptyline always cause me to toss and turn and jump out of bed at night. But I think the little bit of Prozac I had in me was actually allowing me to somehow miraculously fall asleep, at least here and there. Um, And that's something I remember from the past, you know, having been on uh, fluoxetine before. I always slept much better on fluoxetine than I did on um, tricyclic antidepressants. But I woke up the next day and all day... Um, I had some of the worst depression and anxiety of my life. And so uh, I logically assumed that maybe I had tried to wean off the nortriptyline too quickly. So I jumped the dose back up to where it had been um, and things got worse. Luckily, the depressed thoughts went away, but it was like I was just completely consumed by this relentless, unyielding, off-the-charts anxiety and agitation couldn't watch TV or listen to music, uh, couldn't get settled in, everything was grating, Um, even the most innocent banter on TV, you know, seemed ominous. 
and I did really start to have trouble falling asleep at all. I was lit up like a Christmas tree. I would hop, you know, hop into bed instantly, hop back out, pace nonstop. Uh, like I was saying, couldn't even take solace or solace in music or TV or YouTube videos. So I reached out to my doctor's office from work and they had a triage nurse call me back. And maybe they basically came to the same conclusion as me, uh, you know, at that time that maybe I was weaning too quickly. They scheduled me for the next morning and said if I really couldn't bear it, I could always go to the emergency room, which I had actually considered. Um, and, and But I, I didn't end up going to the emergency room. And for that night, they told me, don't change anything you're doing with your medications. So that meant I, take, I took more of the full dose of nortriptyline, which I probably shouldn't have. So that night, as I just said, took a, a full dose of nortriptyline again, felt even worse, which led me to the conclusion shared by my doctor, uh, who I saw the next morning, that it was a drug interaction, probably caused by too much serotonin. So I told her how I was absolutely coming out of my skin, worse than anything I'd ever experienced in my life. I was hoping this was... Um, you know, I was hoping this is what she would do, and she did. She prescribed me a benzo to take while I tried to ride out the nortriptyline withdrawals, uh, cold turkey, because I told her I was afraid to take that stuff anymore, and she she didn't want me taking it either. Um, so this is now my fourth day on um, clonazepam, I think it is, clonopin. Uh, the first two days, it did an awesome job of tamping down or melting away the anxiety. But today, I can kind of feel it clawing beneath the surface. Um, maybe that means I need to bump it up a little. But from what I've read, um, the worst of the nortriptyline withdrawals tend to peak at about day five or so. Um, so there's something to look forward to. And also, she decreased my fluoxetine dose down to 10 milligrams in the meantime to help avoid exacerbating um, the serotonin syndrome. So I'm kind of in this weird place suddenly on um, next to no antidepressants or migraine meds. So things are kind of uh, a bit gloomy and dim right now, but I'm doing my best. And so I know um, all this sounds kind of grim, but I'm hoping for a happy ending. Hopefully things will, you know, start to turn around before the clonopin <laughs> runs out. Um, but it's funny, I mentioned how I couldn't even take solace in entertainment like TV or YouTube videos. I remember all I kept hearing about was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. And I kept hearing Smith, you know, clips because that it was all over YouTube. Everyone was discussing it. So I kept hearing um, clips of Smith violently yelling at Rock, you know, to keep his wife's name out of his, you know, bleeping mouth. And um, I'm someone who's into horror movies, who sings in a dark metal band, but in my super vulnerable, overly anxious, compromised state, anything even hinting violence seemed overwhelming. And I just remember Will Smith's yelling, you know, shredding through my nervous system. But my fragile state aside, I did think that that whole thing was just gross and depressing. I always looked at Will Smith as this super kind and good-natured dude, always ready with a smile and a joke. And to see him get up on stage and physically strike someone, and then to proceed to scream and swear like a maniac from the audience with so much anger and vitriol uh, that sounded like he was going to explode... 
Um, he basically destroyed his reputation overnight. I'll never look at him the same way. Part of me feels bad because just like I'm going through something, I'm sure Will Smith is going through something too. Whether or not it has to do with his, you know, apparent open marriage or whatever, I don't know. But it was disturbing to witness. And I'm one of those people who gives, you know, Chris Rock the benefit of the doubt that he probably didn't know about um, Jada Smith's um, alopecia. So he probably thought he was just making an innocent hairstyle joke. And even if for the sake of argument, he knew you know, about her alopecia, I still don't think that would merit violence. He, you know, Will Smith could have found some other way to address it on or off stage instead of making him, you know, making himself look like some kind of out of control ogre on the world stage. Um, but with that being said, and to get back on subject as we near the uh, conclusion of this relatively short episode, yeah, serotonin syndrome's no joke, so please be careful if you decide to switch medications or watch what you mix, you know, your your medications with. It's just uh, scary stuff. Um, so please do your best to stay happy and healthy. And as always, thanks for listening. And if you um, do ever start to experience the more severe symptoms of serotonin syndrome, muscle rigidity, seizures, uh, that kind of thing, seek immediate medical attention. And all right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Mm-hmm.